and welcome to the Dead Red Herring Podcast. Oh yes, oh yes indeed. Though it's not on ASMR, thank god. <laughs> I will do that later though. <laughs> ASMR with Magnus. Hear him snore. <laughs> Hear me snore, make dad noises, pull up a grapefruit. <laughs> not the grapefruit. Y'all see where this is going? Oh yes. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> you don't have to like it. Anyways... My name's Roland. And my name is Magnus. And uh, we will be your hosts, as usual. So far, I've not seen anyone trying to replace us. Thank God for that. Or maybe the assassins have just failed. We don't know. <laughs> they usually tend to do that. Yeah. Although I never notice them. <laughs> so either they're super sneaky, or they're just failures. They're author people. Mm. However... That's not what we're supposed to be talking about. No, exactly. What are, what are we supposed to talk about? Well, I, I have a couple of ideas what to talk about. First off, I actually want to talk about my uh, game, the game that I'm building called Weird Century, a tabletop RPG with... Uh, it's partly steampunk or steampunk-ish and part fantasy. So, that's something. Yeah. And going from that... I had some I- ideas to just discuss, I guess, or, or topics to discuss, like what defines classical fantasy, uh, hookups when doing rules or stuff. But I think we'll just kind of just glide into those. Yeah. You know, sidetracking and beating dead horses like we do. I think we're, we can manage doing a little couple of segues, horses, and all that. Why do you want to segue a horse? Uh, a, a dead horse? You can't ride it, so I mean... So you put it on a Segway. Yes. I think we need to move on. <laughs> Moving on! <laughs> I'm not getting anywhere with this. Yeah. For some reason I expected almost like a, you know, Batman 60s series kind of uh, scene change. <laughs> uh, so... Speaking about games, yes, uh, I don't know if I've been mentioning it on the podcast before, but I am building my own tabletop RPG. And when I say I'm building it, what I mean is that I am creating a world and the stuff within it, and I am trying at least to have my own kind of system in it. Yes. So I'm not going on a pre-existing system. Um, as far as I know, at least, I mean, there are a fuck ton of different rules out there, both official and unofficial. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I might be doing something that someone's already done. Uh, though I will say that, of course, I take inspiration from other systems. Uh, but I'm thinking that Weird Century is going to have a D6 base system with exploding dice. So if you roll a six, you take that die and you pick a new d6 and you roll them both and then you see what the result is. As mm-hmm. long as one die ends on a 6 you take that one and a new one and roll. And you keep doing it until there are no more 6s. In the end you sit there with a handful of d6 and just throw them and it's quite beautiful. Well, depending I mean, the first throw will always be the most. Unless you know like you have a the, the luck of the devil or something, and you get... Depending, of course, if it's for ability, then not so much. If it's for damage, yes, then it's lucky. 
<laughs> but I mean, if you have a base of three dice to do something, you roll them and all of them go on sixes, you're pretty fucked. Wah, wah. Oh, no, I shouldn't be. There, there's a high risk of getting fucked. The risk because, of fuckness has increased about threefold. Well, a fuck ton, I'd say. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying this is because the way uh, ability checks and such work in the game is that you have a uh, base value or difficulty, like three dice. And, and remember, it's always uh, D6s. So you got three dice, and this is what's considered a normal difficulty. You roll that, and for an ability check, you want to get below the number that you have on your ability. Like, for instance, you want to shoot your gun. You have an ability score of 12 for shooting your gun. You roll the die, and the sum of the roll goes beneath your ability. Congratulations. You fire successfully. Hooray. Yeah. Had it had the number uh, or sum on the dice gone above uh, your ability, that's a failed roll. So you miss. Easy peasy. Yes. And if we're going to go into like what makes a critical success and critical failure, it's quite easy as well. If the three dice you roll, all but one end up as a one on the die. Then it's a critical success. Mm. So basically for critical success, all dice on the first throw, mind you, should be uh, showing a one except for uh, one die. Mm. Either all dice or all but one. Then it's a critical success. All or the majority of. Yes. Unless that last one shows a six. If it's a six, you can it's automatically not uh, permissible to get a critical success. Because if you had to do a, a re-roll, or if you get an exploded die on, a, uh, on that particular roll, uh, at best you can only get a normal success. Mm. You're Fair. following me? Absolutely. Yes. Now, if... Yeah, yeah. The, the success is, is null, so to say. Yes. So if we're going to go over to um, critical failure, mm. then it's... Uh, if, if you roll... Again, you roll the three dice. Yes. At least two of them end up as exploding. Mm. Then you're at risk of a critical failure. You keep rolling until there are no more exploding dice, mm. then you check the value you get, the total number. Mm. If it's below your ability, then it's okay. It's a, it's a success on your roll. However, if it goes above, then you have a critical failure or Hooray. fumble. I like to call it fumble because... I, I do yeah. like to call it fumble. I mean, critical fail, yeah, it sounds... <laughs> Very rough, but yeah, you fumble. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, I, I find it more more fitting to say that you fumble because I don't know. Critical failure for me, it's like uh, you're driving a vehicle and suddenly a vital piece just goes boom. <laughs> the That's gear, a critical failure on the engine. Like the yeah. gearbox goes out the the window. Yeah. <laughs> How the. F- <laughs> I don't know, but it's a critical failure. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, th- that is a critical fail. Holy shit. 
but if it's a that that it's a check on your driving mm. and you end up like uh, i don't know you, you you're supposed to do a little just turn and instead you like collapse the whole vehicle yeah that that's kind of an, a fumble yeah that is a fumble like, although a fumble sounds pretty pretty weak <laughs> to describe something like that but it, a fumble but I mean, sounds it, clumsy in in a way that all right yeah let's go for the uh, the next gear on the the highway R. And you put it in the reverse. Yeah, that's really fast, <laughs> yeah. you think. And, and thus <laughs> the, uh, the, yeah, the transmission goes out the window, however the fuck that works. But yeah. Henceforth because, the... <laughs> because my philosophy when it comes to ability checks is that it's not so much that you fail miserably when it's a critical. Mm. It's more that, I mean, let's say you're the world's best fencer. And you're thinking that, oh, I'm just going to do a little flurry, and then, haha, it's all fixed. However, you roll, you get a fumble, and while you're doing the flurry, you kind of throw away your sword. <laughs> it's not so much a critical failure as just being a fucking dumbass. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. could see. So, th- that's why I prefer fumble, even yeah. though it might sound weak at points, but then again, yeah. Use whatever term you feel fits the best. I think I'm gonna go for fumble. Yeah, I think fumble sounds more endearing. <laughs> you know, I was l- like in, when we were playing a uh, a game, and uh, my dear wife, she was playing the healer. Mm, yeah, speaking and of Vietnam she, flashbacks. Oh yeah, and she fumbled <laughs> her magic rolls for this game, and instead of just healing something, she uh, reverted. Well, she well, did heal something. Oh, yeah, she did heal it. She's, like, reverted a whole fucking inn from dead material, like wood into trees, um, leather mm-hmm. into living animals. My ale barrel became really funny. <laughs> yes, a tree and a lots of, of barley. <laughs> barley and hops. Just sitting there, like, where did my ale go? <laughs> I was a very sad dwarf. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the, 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 the most brutal one, I think, would be everyone with leather armor. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a horrible scene to watch. Yeah. I mean, just to, to really underline how miserable my wife was as the healer, or that character was as a healer, <laughs> when the person she heals runs straight into death just to get away from her healing... I think one has failed at its role. <laughs> you better put that uh, medical license on. So anyway, that's how I lost my medical license. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh boy. Yeah. However, that's not gonna be happening in. Or could it be happening in my game? God. Good God, let it that. happen in your game. <laughs> okay. So, uh, the premise again: weird century. It's a steampunk-ish game. It's not pure steampunk because it's it's not the um th- this idea of steampunk being oh it it's a bit of, of like copper and, and you put some cogs on it and call it steampunk. Where did all these cogs and gears come from? What do they do? Yeah. I don't know, but they, they look cool. Yeah, my idea is actually more of a heavily inspired Victorian era. Uh, premise, mm. but with higher degrees or possibilities 
through technology. So that hence the steampunk-ish. Mm. So even though there's a lot of the elements of steampunk, it's not pure steampunk. Mm. At least in the way I look at it. Other might disagree. Let's, yeah. ju- let's just say it's powered by steam. Powered by steam so far. and uh, Until combustion engines get into it. Yes. And af- at first I-, I was actually just going to have it being a regular world. Regular as in only humans. Mm. But after a bit of considerations and stuff, I've decided to implement fantasy elements. So there are fantasy races. I'm trying to not make them be the classical fantasy races, like, you know, whatever, if it's D&D or if it's Tolkien-esque or whatever. I, mm. I, there are likenesses, but I'm going to try and take an, uh, have another take on it. Or yeah. another angle, at least. Um, <laughs> like, for instance, elves are the worst fucking elves. They are the worst. <laughs> and in your game, too. Yes. Yes, they are. Because fuck else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this post was made by the dwarf gang. <laughs> this message has been endorsed by the dwarves of... Dwarves of, yes. What are they called? I call my dwarves Dwarig. 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 Dabai. It's, it's a bit easier to, to pronounce it in Swedish, though. Dwarig. 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 It's almost Norwegian sounding. Dwarig? Because of the happy little tone at the end. Dwarig. Dwarig. Kjempegott, dvårig. Ja, då... Jag var dvårig. What? Good God. But... The fuck you said to me? <laughs> but here's the kicker. Um, when it comes to the dwarves. They're not Scottish. They're not Nordic. They're Slavic. Ah, da vai. <laughs> so, so, you know, a bit of an angle on it. And... Uh, da vai don't don't bring in Warhammer in this. You want to get us mo- demonetized? <laughs> oh wait, we're not monetized. I'm gonna demonetize for that. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh. So it's dwarves and elves. Elves, by the way, are car- called Ailvu. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but when I know where they are based on in your world, I I just. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The elves I put being uh or at least the the grand empire that the elves have is uh, quite inspired by old Japan and China. <laughs> Glorious Ilverstilu. Yeah, which is it sucks. <laughs> it's fucking you know, like in reality. <laughs> It has slight traces of reality <laughs> all throughout it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, so, dwarves, elves, uh, I, I have an, a, a version of the orcs, but I call them Uruk, and I've given them, well, the, the basis of my idea was to have these grand empires, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of, I mean, the setting and the area and everything. So there were human empires, there are dwarven, elven, and orc empires. But the Uruk, uh, as I call them, their culture is quite inspired by uh, Mesopotamia, Persia, 
the old Middle East kind. Mm. And the uh, the current great empire that the Uruk have is uh, inspired by the Ottoman Empire. Mm. So a lot of trade, uh, a lot of intrigue. Turbans and all. A lot of luxury. Lots of rugs. Rugs, trading, sand, turbans. Clans. Sabres. All the good stuff. All the... <laughs> kebab. Hell yeah. <laughs> Uruk course. kebab. Hmm. Yes. You take your victim, put him on a spit. <laughs> <laughs> Turn around and around. Slice, slice, slice. <laughs> Suddenly I find them less endearing. Depending on, on the clan, they could be quite nice and dear. But mm. then you have those that are... Not not clanless, but their clans aren't um, accepted, <laughs> and I call those kufmak. And from these sorts of clans uh, is where you get a lot of uh, bandits, pirates, and uh, they're more regular scum. Yes, <laughs> I was trying to put it in in, in a kinder term, but yes. <laughs> It's okay, I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, there are bad guys from all cultures. All cultures. <laughs> but the Kuvmak, they, they have a certain special thing for them. It's like, okay, you're not going to accept us, so that's why we're going to fuck everything up. Kind of. <laughs> Alright, that's it. I'll show you an outcast. What? Yeah. yeah. Well, there are some of the Kuvmak clans that actually... The reason that they became Kuvmak from the beginning is because... They either fell out of grace with the more established, accepted clans, or they had practices that were outlawed. Listen, brothers, we don't we trade with the humans. We don't eat the humans. <laughs> ah, for some reason, I, I I started thinking about Londo from Babylon Five when you did that accent. Well, <laughs> I fucking love that series. Yeah, that is nice. Mondo and Jakar, those were the best characters in interaction. Yeah. Chemistry. Indeed. God, I don't even know what else to talk about with my game. It's it's like, uh I've been working on it so much that right now it It's like trying to talk about something uh that you yourself know so much about. Yeah. That but at the same time, it's like, okay, I, I know all this, but I am not sure that anyone else is interested in hearing about it. So, eh. Yeah, one takes for granted, like, uh, well, I know this. Why don't you people know about it? You want me to <laughs> tell you about it? it? It's not so much that I take for granted. It's more, more like, I guess, either don't care or they know. It's like it, it's like trying to explain something that everyone knows, like you said, but, but not in the way of, ah, I guess they already know. Or, yeah, whatever. Mm. But, um... With this, you have decided then to take a little more fantasy trope into it then. Yes. And I guess the reason was because at some point someone suggested that why don't you try putting fantasy elements into it? Um, so I thought, yeah, sure, I, c I can make it so there's one version which is the standard, you know, only humans. Mm. And then you have the fantasy-esque version or 
I guess we could call it a gas lamp fantasy setting because I think that's the official term when it's fantasy in a Victorian steampunkish era, but should not be conflated with steampunk itself because that's a whole other thing, as per the definition. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> but but from that uh, suggestion, I started working in the fantasy elements, and honestly, there it was already primed to actually easily be fantasy because i mean sure you got the steampunkish elements so it's the impossible technology kind of thing yes and i've always had the idea to have a not heavily emphasized but a heavily influence from the occult also as per the era like the the amount of interest in the occult during Victorian era, mm-hmm. it was so so big at that point, staggeringly big. Yeah, all the hidden societies, the or all the orders, all going it's, around. It's not so much the hidden societies, more like it it became the entertainment for the higher classes. Yeah, like for instance. Oh, we're gonna have a party on Friday. Let's have a seance and invite all of our friends. Kind of thing. <laughs> I don't see so, anything going wrong with that party. <laughs> yeah, except for, you know, superstitious people getting uh, conned out of all of their money. Yeah, I see no problem. <laughs> stupid people getting f- stupid prices, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> stupid but, people yeah. get that. Smart people, uh, yeah, they get something completely different. <laughs> they get entertainment. And money. <laughs> and demons, what? Uh, huh? Yeah. Uh, but still, though, the occult, big thing. Mm-hmm. But also, a lot of the hidden societies things. If we're going to put some kind of example on it, I- imagine uh, the first Sherlock Holmes with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. That kind of. But instead of it, in the end, just being hoaxes, we're talking about the real deal. What if Lord Blackthorn really came back from the dead? What if he was actually using real magic? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That yes. So that's what I want to get to. Um, I have sort of a system on how magic works, and the the really basic idea of it is that magic is temporary. Mm. Whatever it is that you do, that is some kind of magic. It is always temporary. Mm. Um, and how that actually f- works, I guess it's something that, uh, I mean, uh, I've been working on it a fair bit, but I think a bit more work on it to just straighten things out a bit more would be beneficial. Yeah. Uh, so, like, for instance, when would it be that a magical effect actually stays, and what is it that actually goes away? And what I've said so far is that anything that comes directly by the magical effect. Like, for instance, you summon a fire. The fire that you summoned will disappear. Mm. But any burns that it made will be left, because the burns are a secondary effect. Yes. So therefore, you can you can basically light a candle on fire with magic fire. Yes. And the, so that and the candle will stay lit. Yes, because the things that feeds the real fire will remain. And for instance, if you summon water, 
and you drink the summoned water, it will disappear. <laughs> Down my but if you use magic to, for instance, make it rain, hmm. or the secondary effect, the idea is to just make it rain. You no, don't create the rain, you just get the circumstances that it will naturally create rain. Yeah. That rain will stay. Hmm. So you have the, the premise of um, you summon something or make something with what you already have, so to say. Sort of. It, it's always like, if you, want to, if you want your effects to remain, make sure that they are secondary. Mm. So if you choose to duplicate already existing water, can you make it to remain? If you actually duplicate it, the duplication itself would be magical, right? True. Then the duplication will disappear. Ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the reason I I want to have it like this is because the the whole thing of like oh why don't you just conjure this or that uh, or make this and, and have it just remain and be super mega awesome powerful <laughs> yeah doesn't work like that so yeah you you <laughs> you wish to um, avoid the Harry Potter problem with the magic so to say yes that too because because I want to have my things being uh, Consequent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, if anything, if I had to say something positive about Harry Potter and the way J.K. Rowling wrote her books is that it's a good example of what happens when you're not consequent in what you're doing. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and also, by doing magic this way, the concept of, for instance, the Philosopher's Stone, mm. or the, the ultimate end for magic, could be to make it permanent. Yeah. To find that, that ultimate thing that makes anything you do remain. Yeah, that could be the, the ultimate goal. I really want to make this goal remain. Yeah. I want my wife to remain. What? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. We call that necromancy. I just wanted to just remain. She's falling apart. <laughs> falling apart over here. <laughs> like your marriage. <sighs> like my marriage, my wife is falling apart over here. <laughs> hmm. Maybe you should move on and let her do the same. Maybe you're right. <laughs> I also have this... I mean, on a more metaphysical plane for the world, there is... The reason that magic works at all is because there is a... World between worlds, a place where uh, anything you think, feel, or imagine manifests. Mm. It's not the warp. <laughs> so, not like that. It's not the warp, but, nor the metaphysical plane. Yeah, but it's still, it's a place that reacts to whatever it is that your... Um, Either imagine what you feel, what you think. Uh, and the, the way that I've set the magic to work to influence the real world is that a, a practitioner goes into this world uh, mentally mm. and has bound himself in there, in, in a sense. And within that world, he creates a construct, which he then forces in upon reality 
and that is also the reason why magic is only temporary because these constructs um the real world will reject it it's it's like everything searches for equilibrium right yes and when you put some some extra stuff onto something at some point it will try and shave it off so that you return to equilibrium mm-hmm. this is what happens when you apply a magical construct upon reality the world will tr- will start to reject it as soon as uh, the construct's connection to this place of uh, magic, or I call it the gray world. Mm. So when the connection to the gray world is severed, the effects of the magic uh, ends, and whatever effect it was starts to fade, because the world is forcing itself into equilibrium. Mm. So what can happen is that if you actually push too hard or do too much you can actually sever like the uh, the veil between the, the world reality and the gray world and <laughs> at th- that point it's like if if you can imagine pure chaos that is what happens oopsie daisy you broke reality yes. good work yeah i mean at this point it's like take a regular person and have her stare upon cthulhu eh Yes. <laughs> Gee, so, what happened to my cognitive... It's not only that. I mean, the, the total madness when you see into a place that reacts to everything. I mean, whether it be conscious or unconscious. If it's thoughts, feelings, any sensation, it reacts to it. And it will force itself, itself upon you. Oh shit, the abyss does look back, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, if you stand... At a, at a rift, and you are not initiated into the ways of the occult, you will most likely get mindfucked beyond existence. You will get mindfucked to the point it's not even funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, and the, the area around it, depending on the magnitude of the rift, of course, mm. will also be fucked <laughs> into, well, oblivion. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But... Be- because that you said about the f- well, summoned fire can still make an imprint. I'm guessing mm-hmm. that um, magic that you brought into this world can still make a so-called imprint. Oh yeah, it does. I mean, it, imagine you take that part of of the the regular area, general area around the rift, and you put it into a blender. <laughs> but it's not a blender. Instead, it's just chaotic energy that we. Sh- disfigure or reshape everything. Will it blend? That is a question. Da, 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 da. Yeah, so whenever the world reestablishes equilibrium, the, the rift is closed, whatever is left will be fucked beyond belief. And I, I, I just imagine pure chaos left in one place. And this is what we call medical Chernobyl? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of. Please Although there's radiate. no radi- radiation, really. Mm. So, yeah. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. Damn, real tangent on the magic. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, but, but, it's a magical uh, subject, so to say, but... Uh... Mm. but. But at the same time, this... Just to, to make a point here, um, the magic is separate from the technological stuff. Mm. The technology, I mean, you, you're going to have airships, you're going to have uh, impressive uh, steam engines and buildings and everything like that. I mean, all the, the regular steampunk-ish stuff. Yeah, but the reason that you can do that is not because of magic. Mm. This is because of a 
I, w- I was about to say mystical, but it's it's not mystical in the occult sense, but a a wondrous uh, mineral it's called just a very trinitum, v- versatile min- mineral. Yeah, well, the reason the thing with with this mineral is that it it um, affects, amplifies, or or just changes, possibly, whatever it comes into contact with. So, through industrial processes, you can refine stuff with the help of this mineral uh, to uh, create uh, either super strong alloys. Uh, you can take. Uh, already lighter than air gases and make them magnitudes more efficient. Lighter than lighter than air. Exactly. I mean, imagine if you if you have a way of producing a helium that can lift ten times more than regular helium. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that's the premise of the, this mineral. Mm. Uh, however, the the downside to this mineral is that while it can amplify and change, well, either other minerals or, or immaterial material things, mm-hmm. uh, it can also change uh, and affect biological substance. Mm. Oh, goody. So uh, imagine the way people react, have adverse ef- reactions to coal, for instance, like burning coal. Mm. Or or being being in mines all day, um, or just exposed to any kind of material that would have a negative in- impact on the human body. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you will get negative impact on hum- the human body through this mineral as well if you get in contact with it in its pure form. Nice. Very yes. nice. So there's actually a, a sickness specifically that comes from this mineral. And uh, the lethality is quite high. (laughs) Staggeringly high. Yeah. However, um, if you manage to survive, you might perhaps wish that you didn't. Because (laughs) if you do survive, you will be changed in some way or form permanently. And my idea is that through this, you can actually go through a sort of mutation, which either give you maybe a physical uh, change or, or extra physical ability. Like, for some reason, your, your body turns into a lot of muscles and you get strong as a fucking bull. Or you, you suddenly have the ability to bend in unnatural ways. Cool. It could also be that you gain quote-unquote mental abilities and it's like not sure how it works but i mean this is some of the earliest concepts i came with for came up with for the game so Mm. i still like the idea and i want to keep it it's just it it goes into the area of uh suspension of disbelief Mm. kind of and that's also side topic maybe but i i've been having a lot of problems with this myself when it comes to the game of how much will I can I allow myself to go with it away from what would be logical or, or at least believable mm. but as, that, that's a sidetrack but yeah I don't know really if there there is some way to just 
you know, put a neat little bow on this more than there are stuff in the game. I'm working on it. I I need to play test a bit more. Yeah, I think we uh, really we really need to just try everything out, see how it f- well fits. Mm. I mean, we have been doing some playing with it, um, though not it with the fantasy aspects involved. Yeah, so I think that that uh, is really what we need to try as well. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I I sh- I just want to mention all the different empires because I mean it's a game based on empires. Hmm. So far, I have at least two, three great human empires. Uh, it's the Commonwealth, which is itself inspired by Victorian England. Mm-hmm. You got the Hoberian uh, Empire, which is inspired by the German Empire. Mm. And the third human empire I'm thinking of is uh, Stuhlmachten. <laughs> it, it, uh, or just the Northern Empire. It takes a bit of inspiration from the old uh, Swedish Empire. Yeah, our period of about 1600 and to Yeah. That to era. now. No, wait. <laughs> Make Sweden great again? Plot twist, it was always great. Oh, wait. Yeah, let's... let's yeah, no. Actually, I, I prefer to have another Nordic Union. I think that works better. But that's beside the point. Mm. So, and, and so th- those are the human empires. And then uh, it's the greater Dwarven Empire, the Kasaic Empire, which I'm thinking of having them be, for less of a better expression, commie dwarfs. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I take inspiration from the old Tsarish Russia. Yeah. But I want to see what happens if you take dwarves rising against a the the traditional view on them being like parts of guilds and very industrious, like uh, oh, I'm a miner and I'm happy with being a miner or whatever. And oh, you need to grow up. And yeah. And and you have that society which is heavily based on a uh, on guilds, mm. and you implement ideas from a fucking bearded Halberian. <laughs> <clears throat> Just to see how bad it'll fuck up. Guess who? Yeah. Although there there will be other dwarven, quote unquote, uh, kingdoms or republics or, or just countries. Which will be more of the traditional led by guilds and stuff like that. So mm. it'll be interesting to see the contrast. Uh, and I've already mentioned the Uruk and their empire. Yep. Um, the Tukum Kingdom, I think I called it. And then you have the Elves, which is the uh, Empire of the Sun. Mm. It's a bit of the nose there, not a actually. With whatever they're inspired by, but I kind of like the idea. But there's a bit of lore behind it, so I think I'm gonna keep it for now. Mm. There is also a couple of minor or lesser uh, countries, kingdoms, or whatever. I'm still thinking of trying to fill the list a bit, but uh, there is a old kingdom in the far south of the old world, which is 
well, the home of all the empires is in the old world, except for the elves because they have their own little continent outside. Um, <laughs> but th this place is called Malituk. I've taken some inspiration from old Mali em Empire. Uh, mm. So th the premise is that it used to be a great empire or kingdom, but it fell apart for at first into just uh, different states, then into different kingdoms, and continuously they were fight infighting and warring against each other, and now it ended up with, um, with it just being a city-state, more or less. Mm. But the greatest uh, market there is in the world is within Malituk. Ah, I see. So you, you have the the Great Bazaar of Malituk, which is a uh, ANCAP free market capitalist wet dream, sort of. <laughs> Anything and everything is available if you got the coin for it. Oh. <laughs> Anything? Anything. I don't like where this is going. Uh, I'm going to have to have you read what I've been writing about it and just to have your reaction. Yeah, yeah, I think that will be... That would be nice. <laughs> so anyway, this is how I got my child servants. Yes, actually, that that is quite possible. <sighs> Absolutely disgusting. So going from the old world into the... It's not the new world, it's the unknown world. Ah. Because there is a whole other continent available for uh, exploration, colonization, and everything like that. <laughs> exploration, colonization, exploitation. Yes. And the reason I have it being that it's not populated uh, by any great... I, I'm still thinking if I should have some sort of civilization there or not. Mm. Um, again, th there is lore behind this. Uh, but at least to, to uh, explain the reason why it's not already been settled or colonized is because between the old world and the unknown world, on one side, you have the great archipelago. Yeah. And in this world, there are creatures that are um, large, dangerous, and happy to sink ships. Nice. And also, just navigating, at least through the archipelago, is quite a challenge, because among... Um, it's a highly volcanic act, volcanically active area. So from, I mean, it's not going to be overnight necessarily. Necessarily. Hmm. Hmm. Did I say necessarily? Necessarily. 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 Um, but uh, plotting routes by sea can be quite difficult because a lot of times landmarks change. Yeah. Either because of seismic or volcanic activity. Or because some landmarks weren't land at all. <laughs> they were part of a giant turtle. An island turtle, quite literally. Huh. These big motherfuckers are quite docile <clears throat> most of the time. And they can lie dormant, more or less, in place for a long time. But when they decide to move, it's like suddenly Han Hall Island disappeared. My landmark is gone. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Did my house used to be here? <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, among reefs and, and uh, just treacherous waters, 
it basically it, it's hard to establish routes. Mm. People have been over to the unknown world before. Yes. Yes. But having a establishing permanent uh, colonies has not happened yet because you could not get a satisfactory what's it called route of transport of either goods or people mm. so i mean sure there could be people over there or not they don't know really so and that that's on one side on um, that's one ocean of course it could go north but uh, still treacherous waters there are a lot of evil things in the water one of coming out to play like you know giant octopuses <laughs> Where do you think you came the, with the idea of the Kraken? Yeah. In this world, at least. So that's that's uh, on one side. Of course, if you go down south, you, you got the elven continent and uh, the green world land or whatever I call it. And, and elves are fucking pricks, so they don't allow anyone outside to come in there. Mm. Uh, on the other side of the old world, in the northern hemisphere, there is a big fuck-off uh, uh, mountain chain going by the water, so that's fun. That's fun. Yeah, and chaotic weather because of that. <laughs> In the southern hemisphere, you got. Uh, mm, let me see here. There is an island out there, sort of like. It's not really Japan, but it sort of acts like Japan geologically. <laughs> so a lot of you know seismic activity and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, but still treacherous water going that way. It's just that it... Uh, let's say like this. If you imagine Europe as its place uh, on the map, mm-hmm. and you wanted to go to the Americas, but you want to go via Asia. Yeah. So th- that's kind of the same thing here. Yeah. Let's just pop over to the America through the Pacific. Yeah. After crossing a whole fucking continent. How difficult can it be? Exactly. So, I mean, there are logistical reasons to why Mm. uh, the the Unknown World has not yet, or uh, up until, like, in-game about a hundred years ago, had not been settled. Mm. Now, however, when you have this wondrous metal, uh, or mineral, rather, Mm -hmm. that enables this huge leap in technology uh, and you get airships and airships makes it possible to traverse these areas much much easier and make it much more feasible especially more affordable it's not as expensive anymore to travel hmm. all over the world for good and bad of course yeah, yeah of course but now so now there has been established colonies and su- such over there but because of st- they're still being a bit iffy in the uh, management of the areas the the empires did establish colonies they still have areas over there mm. but parts of the colonies have broken off and formed their own sort of confederacy a confederacy of free states-ish. Ah. What, what is happening is that geopolitically, the great empires, they don't really want to go to war against each other because it would be kind of bad. It would be a war to end all wars, so to say. Yes. So instead, they compete against each other in either 
well, not either, but in both um, to expand their territories, you know, establish new colonies, explore the area to be able to put their flag in and say that, ah, we were here for first, fuck off. <laughs> but also, they, they uh, have to deal with uh, dissidents over there, like, you know, the Confederacy of Free States, mm-hmm. saying that, ah, we want to be free people, fuck you, old empires. Uh, but what happens is that all of the conflicts between the empires end up uh, being done over in the unknown world so you have wars by proxy over there Hmm. Uh, not necessarily open conflict between the fleets of the empires but I'm thinking of there being a lot of uh, gray areas, not really controlled by anyone, and uh, there are skirmishes, mm-hmm. but there are also a lot of uh, privateering being done. Fair enough. Different groups or uh, ships, single ships or groups of ships under one or more captains, mm. they get a letter of marquee and are hired more or less as free mercenaries. To go in and fight or control or devastate areas, fighting for one empire or another, and, you know, so that the empires don't have to lose face. And they can say that, ah, we didn't do this, this was totally out of our hands. You can't declare war on us for this, ah. Those were just, I don't know who they were, but look how unstable it is, maybe you want our rule? Hmm, hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, so, so the, my idea is that there will be three main eras to more or less be able to play in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm doing this so that if I ever get this game out there and someone decides to run it, mm-hmm. they should be able to shape the world at least to a degree as they see fit for themselves. Mm-hmm. Fair so in the early areas, like... When uh, airships and such start to emerge, you can play in that era Mm. and do whatever it is you want to do there. Then you have the second area, which is the one you're more or less supposed to be playing in. And to to have some sort of reference as for the time, it's like our 1880s, 1890s, sort of. Yeah. So... You have a lot of established stuff. More or less all the things that I'm writing for is for this era. So you have somewhat uh, great developments for airships, engines, technology as such. But there is still a lot of possibilities for exploration, for shenanigans, especially in the unknown world, but also some some in the old world. Mm -hmm. And most of all, it's still for the most part, peaceful. I I have ideas of having political elements, but not real-world politics. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in-game politics, like, uh, again, looking at history, what was the great conflicts or such during this time in our history? Well, you had the anarchists, you have the socialists rising up, stuff like this. Mm. And I'm, I'm thinking of implementing... S- stuff like this into the world because you always have 
the dissidents of the empires, those that r- want to rise against, those that want to uh, just ravage everything and such. I, the reason I want to do this is to have a living world, mm. not saying that, oh, the empires are this and nothing else. Of course, there's going to be a lot of politics of within the world, the in-world politics. Um, and I do like playing a, a bit of political intrigue games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot of fun to, to have with that. Uh, so, I mean, if you want to do a cloak and dagger kind of game, of course there's going to be a bit of intrigue. Of course. If, if you personally want to have games that, that you run where you question like social structures and orders and stuff like that, you, I think you should be able to do it. I'm not going to be preaching this or that uh, on how you run the game. I just want to provide you with all the pieces that you can get play the game that you want to play. <laughs> how the how the way you play will affect the grand lore that I write. How that will be? I mean, that's a whole different thing. I, if if you choose to say that, oh, communism wins, or uh, oh, the empires fall, and we establish a worldwide uh, global era, new world lore kind of thing. <laughs> you do that. It's not going to be my canon. But you can have it in your world if you want to have it. Where did this Kassarian Caliphate come from? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, the way you play the game, it should be down to you and your group. Mm. But when it comes to the grand order of lore, I'll have the last say in that. <laughs> There is the official, and then there is the personal. So there's the official, and then there's wrong. <laughs> wrong. Hey, I'm not gonna go either Paizo or Wizard of the Coast on this. Are you sure? I'm not gonna. That's yes, why I I'm... sort of chuckle before like it. I'm gonna give you freedom of what to do with your game. Ha! Yeah. No. Of course, I'm not gonna have to implement like. You need to be welcome to everyone. You should mind everyone's feelings. You should ask them if they're comfortable. You should. Make sure that you have all the pronouns. No. Fuck off. Or rather, if if you want to do that at your table, I'm not going to say you shouldn't. Or that you can't. It's your table. You do you. Hi, put up a chair. Fuck you. Write your character. Let's go. Exactly. But uh, I'm I'm not going to be the one to say that you have to play the game in a certain way. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that the final saying in that that... They sh- one should be able to play the game as they almost see fit. I mean, uh, there's, it's their adventure. I mean, eh. they should be able to play it as th- the way they see fit. They just can't come up to me and say that. Oh, the game should be like this. Fair enough. So it's like, yeah, you do you, I do me. My game, my rules. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the game is supposed to be like this. No. No, it's not. No. Yeah. Thanks for the input. You're wrong. <clears throat> Thanks for the input. I'll consider it. Maybe. <laughs> Never. Anyways. <laughs> I will think of it. Oh, that's good. So, yep, I thought about it. Yeah. Fuck. But speaking of Wizard of the Coast. Oh boy, here we go. Y- yeah, actually, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm more uh, on the lines of D&D, actually, for this one. Mm. It's the idea of classic fantasy. I mean... Classic fantasy could be defined as being Tolkien. Yeah. It could even be described as old fairy tales. 
one might say. One might say, but usually when people when you say fantasy, what people think of is either Tolkien or more along the lines of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. You got elves, dwarves, humans, orcs, halflings, you know, that that and and tieflings up to my ass. They they have their special kind of niche uh, or the stereotype rather. Mm. Like dwarves have a Scottish accent and, and like to dig mines. Orcs are brutes. Humans are clowns. Elves are beautiful and lean and horrible. Beautiful. Um, Did I ever say that that elves are horrible? Elves are horrible. I fucking hate elves. Yeah. <laughs> have people considered that the humans might be the good guys in this? <gasps> How dare you? Change my goddamn mind. <laughs> and that, so, yeah. Just looking at the classical structure of the fantasy, I mean, the reason I do things the way I do it for Weird Century is because I kind of want to do my own thing, mm-hmm. but but still not really respect, but a, more like acknowledge the uh, more of a Tolkien kind of fantasy than anything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so I mean, how far can you go? before it's not considered fantasy anymore, really. I mean, it's fantasy only that it's... You got magic and you got uh, fae running around and uh, one, two, three spells and everyone's happy. Is is that fantasy? Yeah, that is actually a tough question because, I mean, when does... Exactly, when does fantasy don't become... not becoming fantasy anymore? yeah <laughs> I mean what's the answer to that because would one consider pure steampunk fantasy I wouldn't say it's fantasy but then again I mean reason I wouldn't say steampunk is fantasy is because I would consider it more science fiction mm. and I, I guess that there's always been the distinction that when it comes to fantasy versus science fiction is that science fiction takes place in the future while fantasy takes place in a medieval-esque kind of setting. Yeah. And you've got the magic and you've got the fae and uh, everybody rides on horses and it's a happy ending. Whatever. While as science fiction is more like you get on your spaceship, you go out in space, you fight off some evil power with uh, unbelievable laser pew-pews and uh, you blow up a space base and then everyone's happy. So one would almost say that to be it have be a fantasy it there must be some sort of supernatural element to it and for it to be science fiction it could be it would almost have a well not a real explanation to it but a plausible explanation to it or believable explanation as for fantasy you don't need an explanation you just need it to be supernatural okay so let's say for it to be fantasy it has to be supernatural yes does that make doom a fantasy game always with the difficult questions (laughs) riddle me this but it is the same of is warhammer 40k a fantasy or a science fiction? Or is it even a space opera? Or is it 
what is it? I mean, it's it's supposed to be grimdark, but <laughs> definitely a space yeah. opera. Yeah, I suppose it is. Because also, isn't space opera supposed to be sort of the uh, not classical fantasy elements, but still the classical tale, but in a futuristic futuristic setting? Yeah, I, I would almost say so because is Star Wars a fantasy? Well, Star Wars is a space opera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got a lot of you know different races. You you got your mages. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Mm. Space fantasy, absolutely. I I, I can dig that. Space. As, as, I mean, it, it it has to be an unbelievable fantasy, especially look at Disney Star Wars. Oh boy, it's not. <laughs> But yeah, that would, so yeah, definitely. Space mm. space fantasy. But then again, also speaking of futuristic settings and such, you got urban fantasy. Yeah. Uh take for instance Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. That that is fantasy. Quite literally urban fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's also, I mean, it has a lot of science fiction in it. Yeah. So that would really be well, again, it is the supernatural mixed with, well, how do you say? Well, yeah, technology. Let's just say that. Technology! Technology! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why are people afraid of technology? Technology! But, yeah, yeah. It's, I guess you could make clear definitions of what classical fantasy is, or fantasy as a whole. But at the same time, to make a clear definition does either create a fuckton of sub-genres, mm-hmm. or it ignores the variations. Mm. Honestly, I mean, th- these are all just weird ideas, discussions, and a lot of opinions. So, I mean, it's not to say that I'm right, not saying you're right, not saying anything like that. It's just no one is right. interesting to discuss. Yeah, yeah, indeed, totally. So in the sense of Dungeons and Dragons, they have they have evolved quite a bit from its first vision of this classical fantasy to a more, well, up-the-walls style. You know, I can't really say too much about it, because I don't really know enough about the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons. I, I know sort of the ideas that Gygax had. Mm. But not really more than that. I've always had problem with the lore and such for Dungeons and Dragons because it's never been made clear. I'm not sure if it's because there isn't really any lore as such, or that it's all down to the uh, modules you play, like for instance, uh, the Forgotten Realms. Mm. Like this is the place where you get the lores and the explanations and stuff like that. Mm. But then again, when it comes to tabletop role-playing games, I've tried 3.5 of Dungeons and Dragons. I've done Pathfinder. I've not done the old editions. I've not done fourth. I've not done fifth. Mm. I mean, the closest real I've come to really playing a Dungeons and Dragons game, which this might be blasphemy for some, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Uh, Neverwinter Nights. That's the closest I've been to a real uh, Dungeons and Dragons game, except for Pathfinder, Fair enough. which I've tried out at 
couple of times, but never really done a longer game with, because of reasons. Mm. I mean, when it comes to tabletop, what I've been playing is mainly Swedish games, which is interesting because Sweden has a f- great variety of different games for being such a small country. Yeah, it is um, not, not underrated, but very unheard of. It's a bit obscure. Yeah. But then, uh, besides that, I've played a lot of World Darkness. Mm. It's mainly the new World of Darkness. I'm not a big fan of the old World of Darkness system. But when it comes to World of Darkness, that system, the reason, or, or not the reason, the way I've been playing it has been more using the rule system, not so much the established world. That is perfectly okay, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean... The way I look at it is that you should be able to take any system, game game system, and do your own thing with it. Mm. You don't have to be constrained to uh, a certain world or a certain uh, setting. If you can take a game's mechanics and and apply it to another setting or whatever, Mm. do it. There is no one saying that you can't. Except the people saying that you can't. Yeah, yeah. There's always going to be people saying that, but I mean, they <laughs> they can do their thing. I'll do my thing. Whatever they say. So <laughs> just leave me alone and don't touch me. Yeah, and don't don't come preaching your politics at me because fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, th- this has become more of an issue of modern days. Um, a lot of game publishers, they do go down the woke route, and that makes me not want to play their games. It makes me not want to uh, use their systems mm. anymore. Which, at the same time, is really sad, because some of the systems could be really great for a game. Yeah. But since they insist on pushing their politics. I don't want to... Most of all, I don't want to give them any money. I mean, I'm not saying pirating is the answer. At all. But if you know the gist of the system, you could just play it anyways. Just saying. (laughs) We're not gonna stop ya. So, yeah. A bit... Not sure how we got into this. Going from classic... Oh, yeah, right. We, We talked about... Different systems, right? <laughs> One tends to froth at the mouth when start talking about Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, I mean, also just a note about Swedish publishers and such. Freja Ligan, mm-hmm. the makers of, uh, I guess, for the international market, it's like year Mutant Year Zero and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier, they published a game just called Mutant, or in Swedish, Mutant. <laughs> And I've had a lot of fun with this game. Mind you, this was in the days before they went woke, so I have no problems playing this game. I've always had a good impression of Freja Liga. Mm. But sadly, as with anything when it comes to Swedish nerd culture, it has gone woke. And uh, I fucking hate it. Yeah, yeah, it is very off-putting, so to say. Mm-hmm. I guess that is really a... 
that is an explanation why we both have gone the route of fine, we'll do it ourselves. <laughs> yes. We'll just make your own game. Fine, I will. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna publish it. You can use the system. This is a t- whole new system. You can use this. It's better than yours. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess that is... Well, uh, that That is part of it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I have a lot more I could talk about in, in making my game like... Like I mentioned way earlier here, mm. uh, the the problems with suspension of disbelief and making things believable, that is actually one of the biggest things I'm having to deal with at the moment. Yeah. And I think we've talked about that before, haven't we, in the earlier episodes? Possibly. I I won't uh, acknowledge that I've totally forgotten a lot of what, what we've been talking about earlier. But I won't deny it either. <laughs> but it's out there. I can neither confirm nor deny any of these statements. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I I do do want to go uh, deeper into the the issue of suspension of disbelief when it comes to uh, tabletop gaming and rules and such. Mm. At at some point, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, if people are interested in a discussion like that, so <laughs> let us know. I guess. Yeah. I mean, in in the end, it's. It's about having fun. Mm. It's about escapism. You should be able to have a moment where you forget your drags of daily life and and can just go and have fun and relax. Mm. Get some laughs. Create some memorable moments with your friends at the table. And, uh, you know, just feel good about it. Mm. (sighs) Not the fucking dread of, oh, did I use the right pronoun or not? Oh! Is everything okay with you guys around the table? Are you guys okay with me eating this apple? I know it might be insensitive to some people, especially you, that you identify as an applekin. I totally understand, so you can say if it's okay or not if I eat this apple. (laughs) Meanwhile, crunch, 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 crunch. (laughs) Meanwhile, at the chat table, I'm gonna eat this fucking apple. I'm making a pie. Anybody want a pie? I'm gonna eat this apple. But I'm an applekin. Fuck you, applekin. I'll make a pie out of you. That's so cool in a hall. But I brought snacks, so, uh... <laughs> it's apple snacks. Mm. Ah, the applekin. <laughs> ah, the ah. <laughs> Okay, we're rambling. God damn it. Yep. Um, so I, I think it's a good point to maybe, maybe round this episode out. Um, yes. God. So, uh, if you actually managed to come to this point, congratulations, gold star. If you managed to follow all that. Uh, Uh, please do let us know what you think about the subjects we've been talking about. Uh, how would you define classic fantasy? Where's your line of demarcation between fantasy and sci-fi? Is it okay to combine them? I guess it is, though. Um, hmm. What do you think about my project? That's something I really want to know. And uh, except for that, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And please, if you... Th- Feel like it? Share it. Yes. Leave a comment. Interact. Help us out. <laughs> Interact with us. We're so lonely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So with this, do you have any final words? Mm. Razorblade. Rakaparat. Rakaparat. This has been uh, the Dead Red Herring podcast. Uh, thank you for this this little time we had together, yes. and I hope to see you again. See you in future endeavors. And that is in a promise. In the future <laughs> of space. In maybe. the far, far future. There is only fantasy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening. Have a good evening. Chara.